You can begin, Felicia. I'd like to say good morning, good afternoon to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton, and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis, and the president is Dr. Edward Yule. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that will produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. 
Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given into salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional aims and objectives are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons of children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. 
Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we will have a prayer by brother and by Dr. Pedro Dominguez, followed by scripture, which will be Romans, the fourth chapter, read by Dr. Lauren Lewis. Dr. Dominguez. Okay, hi, I'm Pedro, and uh, we are in IDMR class, and we're going to say a prayer and uh, hope that we can uh, uh, get a a blessing and uh, bow our bow our heart bow in our hearts and minds spiritually, hoping to get a prayer uh, started. Uh, that uh, we ask for his sh uh, his knowledge and his wisdom that he shine his light on each one of us, and for us to humbly uh, or to humbly ask him to enter into our hearts. Uh, that he, that Yasha, the Messiah, the 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 full embodiment of uh, Yahweh's in his supernal nature, be uh, present in us and uh, to uh, to to assemble to give to give us a chance to assemble that we can gather gather together and uh, praise Yahweh and give thanks and uh, in this I say Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to say good afternoon to the class, and I'll be reading out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by late A.B. Trainer, the Scripture Research Association, reprinted by Yahshua Promotions. That is Romans, the fourth chapter. What shall we say then? that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before Yahweh. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed Yahweh, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, that justifieth the unrighteous, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man, unto whom Yahweh imputeth righteousness apart from works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom Yahweh will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in uncircumcision, but, excuse me, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. 
for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. But the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even Yahweh, who quickens the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy, side, thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of Yahweh through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to Yahweh and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to also perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Yahshua our Savior from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That was Romans, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Dominguez, for the prayer and Dr. Lewis for the scripture. We are once again glad to have you all with us, visiting with us during our Zoom session. We ask that all participants remain muted and all videos remain off while the class is, is in a session. At this time, we are happy to announce our first time speaker for this afternoon session. We have Dr. George Light. Dr. Light. Dr. Light, you might be on mute if you're talking. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Thank you. <laughs> I had headphones in, so I wasn't sure if you could hear me or not. Okay, yes, we can. Okay, so, well, it's good to be here. It's always good to be here. Yashua willing and keeping us healthy and wealthy and wise so that we can attend. That's a great thing. Um, could I have, I'm not sure what's on my mind, all kinds of things. You listen to the scriptures and the research and watch the Zoom classes and <laughs> your mind's just a whirlwind. But anyways, if I could have Hebrews 11 and 6. And I hope I can hear you when you're reading. Let us know if you can. That's Hebrews 11 and 6. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Thank okay, you. Perfect. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to Yahweh must believe that he is, 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And, and that's what we're after is faith, faith in everything that Yahweh has shown us all the way through looking at the law and the prophets or the, or the scriptures and looking at them as witnesses so that we can have faith in what he's telling us. Um, if you could read, and please bear with me, <laughs> it's been a while since I've spoken and just get a little anxious, just like other people I've heard on here as well. So bear with me, please, and thank you. Um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you would, please. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, okay. we sorry. No, did you finish one? Yes, I finished one. Did you want me to? Okay. okay. Yeah, one's good. Could, if you could just read that again, I will interrupt you if that's okay. Sure, no problem. Now Thank faith you. is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Okay, so now faith is the substance of things hoped for. If, would somebody be able to look up substance in a dictionary for me? Sure. And this will be from the American Heritage Dictionary online. Substance, that which has mass and occupies space and matter a material of a particular kind or constitution, a drug, chemical, or other material, such as glue, that one is dependent on or uses habitually, and that is often illegal or subject to government regulation. The most important part or idea of what is said or written, the essence, that which is real or practical in quality or character. Okay, thank you. So. I wasn't really sure if I heard the meaning I was looking for, but that's okay. Um, substance, and I think we've all heard about out in the world, people have substance abuse. They have something that they're taking that is substance. Uh, food is substance that we eat to be healthy. So we're looking at faith as being the substance of things hoped for, uh, the things that we cannot see. We cannot see Yahweh. We live, we move, we have our being within Yahweh, but we can't see him. So we have to have faith in either what he's told us or what he's shown us or what he has proven to us so that we can believe and have faith because without faith, it is impossible to please him. So that's what we want is faith. So I'm going to go back to Noah. I think it's the sixth chapter. Mm -hmm. And just um, if you could start reading Genesis. <clears throat> I'm trying to find it at the same time. It's the sixth chapter for sure. Yep, and it just talks about with Yahweh and it talks about the number of years of the flesh that has come before me. Mm -hmm. That is Genesis 6 and 7, I believe. Oh, 6 and 6. And it repented Yahweh that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And Yahweh said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Dr. Nelson, you yes. want to start at the third verse. Okay. All right. Thank you. That's Noah 6 and 3. And Yahweh said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. 
yet his days shall be 120 years. Now here's Yahweh, or, so then he, on down further, he comes to Noah, and he says it is, has repented man, and verse 7, I think it is. Okay. Again, and, thank you. <laughs> and Yahweh said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. These are the generations of Noah, okay? Okay, that's good. Thank you. It's really hard on Zoom not to interrupt. Um, um, so Noah, had, Noah was found in his sight. So Yahweh get, tells him that he's going to destroy the earth. And then if, if we read on further, you're going to find out that he gives him the dimensions of the ark, what it's going to look like. Well, just reading this, I don't think Noah has been a boat builder <laughs> prior yeah. to this. So right. this in itself is going to give Noah faith because he's seeing a vision of how this ark is to be built. Thank you, though, the, the gentleman who does the, or lady, I'm not sure, <laughs> who does the... Uh, charts but you do a fabulous job thank you very much um so noah is given the instructions on how to build an ark he's never built an ark before how is he going to build an ark nobody's built an ark before so this is pretty phenomenal and he has to have faith in that which yahweh has shown him so his faith starts being built up as he's building the ark and he sees when you go cut down the first tree and start getting this piece of wood to fit together which ends up being line upon line as, as anything you build is, and especially as a boat. But then he's shown how to build it. And it has three levels uh, and so on and so forth. So I know I'm excited here, but anyways, with Noah had faith, but also I think over further we can read, and I couldn't find it, but I know it's in there, that one of Noah's sons, because it talks about in the... Uh, verse here it talks about Noah and his sons and his son's wives will go into the ark over further you read and I believe it's Ham that he was 102 when he had his first son so that's telling me that if Noah knew that the ark was he had to build the ark and the flood was going to be 120 years his sons were born after he began to build the ark that would reaffirm what Moses or uh, Noah had seen in the vision of the flood and who was in the ark. So what I'm trying to say is we're looking at faith. We have to have proof of faith. So Noah's building an ark day after day for, for 120 years, building the ark and seeing it all come together. And all the people that he's preaching to for 120 years are also seeing this man build this ark in the middle of nowhere. So there, it's his faith and his faith for his family that's causing him to follow through on this and build this ark. So then you see the ark being built. Then you see all the animals. Did they just show up one day? They all got to come from somewhere. I'm sure they didn't all live right there. So they had to come from somewhere. So again, that's another proof of faith. His faith was proven when he sees the animals coming to go into the ark. Then, he, then him and his family goes into the ark. 
And that's the vision that Yahweh had shown known that he would go into the ark and they would be saved. Meanwhile, outside the ark, the people, he was in the ark seven days. I can be sure that all the people that he had preached to did not believe. And then they're, they're probably mocking him at the time he's in the ark, probably throwing stones on top of the ark, make the noise of rain or something. So that it, it, because they, they didn't believe what he said. And he was in there seven days before it started to rain. I'm sure at that time, such as is going on these days with us, is that you, you get your faith to be questioned. But if you have confidence in what Yahweh has shown you, you can, you can stand up to uh, the Satan and his battering with you with stuff to try and convince you, oh, you don't have the Holy Spirit or this, that, or the other, but faith. So he had faith. He's sitting in the ark with his family for seven days. I'm sure the people outside were mocking them right up until the time that first drop of rain fell from the sky and landed on one of them. And then they were saying, uh-oh, but it was too late. So anyways, I just want to get the point about Noah and having his faith. Uh, so the next person in, that I'm thinking of is Joseph. So if we could go to where Joseph is mentioned with his brothers and it talks about um he dreamed a dream and they their reefs or whatever bowed down to his i assume everybody can still hear me <laughs> yes we can just a oh. second okay thank you If you have the scripture, anyone just I believe that is Genesis, the 37th um, chapter. Go ahead, Dr. And, and start out at about um, five. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my chef arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my chef. And his brethren said to him, Shall thou indeed reign over us, or, shall, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brother. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? Okay, and so this is... Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. So this is Joseph having a dream and he's telling it to his brothers and his fathers and they don't believe him that he's, he's had a dream, but he knows the interpretation of the dream. Mm -hmm. And apparently they understand it a little bit because that's what they're saying. They're kind of mocking him. So anyways, this is a dream that Joseph has and he goes down. If you read on a little further there, he's put into, he's sold down into Egypt. He goes into, um, one of the head centurions guys, and I know I'm scattered here, but he goes into the, and, and he's in his house 
and that gentleman's wife tries to lay with him and he's put in prison. And while he's in prison, he has dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't have dreams. He interprets dreams of the baker and uh, the guy who serves him the wine and stuff. If we could get that verse, that would be great. I'm not sure where it is. I always count on the scripture readers that that's okay. That's just fine. Um, I believe that's in the 39th chapter of Genesis. Um, hold on. I'm looking to just. <laughs> Well, that is in the 40th chapter. Okay. Uh, that is 40 and one. I'll start. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their master, the king of Egypt. I think this is it. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his master's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto, them, unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to Yahweh? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches and it was as though it budded and her blossom shot forth and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and I gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy hand and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup unto, into his hand and after the former manner when thou wast his butler. Okay, I'm not going to make you read it all, but I just want you. And the next one is about the baker and his dream. I just mm -hmm. wanted to, but thank you very much for reading all that because that helps mm -hmm. explain that. Uh, so Joseph dreamed when he was at home, he dreamed about his brothers not bowing down to him. They didn't believe him, but he believed what the dream said. Here he is down in prison. He's in prison. <laughs> uh, I think he's there a couple of years, um, at least. And, and here there's two people in here and they have a dreams and he gives the interpretations of dreams. Mm -hmm. what this is to me is what I'm looking at is faith. Faith is substance. Joseph has faith. How does he have faith? Because he's been able to interpret the dreams and the dreams come true. So he has faith that, that, that what Yahweh has shown him or told him is true. So 
Um, then we read where he goes in before Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody around Pharaoh was able to interpret the dreams. Um, and Joseph and the wine bearer is it says, oh, I remember down in when I was in prison, there was a person there that dreamed dreams. They clean up Joseph. He comes in before Pharaoh. And he testifies, Pharaoh tells him the dream. And he interprets the dream. And Pharaoh says, is there any like him? And he makes him charge over all of, all of uh, he's second only in command to Pharaoh. And you'll find out that with everybody that Yahweh chooses, he takes care of them. Um, along the way. So he was favored in this house, favored in that house, favored the Pharaoh. So Yahweh takes care of you. So you're good to go. So he interprets the dream and the dream is correct. It's seven years of famine, seven years of plenty. And this is, this is really Yahweh building up all his wealth down in Egypt for when they come out of Egypt with a great, great substance to be able to build the tabernacle pattern. But there's a whole bunch of other stories in there, but I'm just trying to deal with faith here. So, um, could we get over to David, where he's about to fight Goliath? Just before that, he goes before the king and he tests the, the king says, or he, because he's just a ruddy guy, ruddy little guy, and he says to him, um, uh, sorry, if you could just get that chapter where David is just before, when he goes into the king and he's talking to him, he, he gives him the examples about the lion and the bear. I'm not exactly sure what that is. For Samuel 17. I'm sorry? For Samuel 17. Okay. Hi, Felicia. Can you grab that, please? Thank sure. you. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's First Samuel 17, and I'll start at um, uh, 18. I'm sorry. I got to start up because that starts with Anne. Um, first Samuel 17 and 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as they talked with them, behold, there came up champion, the excuse me, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the men, fled and from him and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel, he came up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living Elohim. And the people answered after him after this manner saying, so shall it be to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his el eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why comest thou down hither and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart for thou art come down that they may seeth the battle. And David said, what have I done? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again, the formal matter. And when the words were heard, David spake, 
they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So here, five minute bell. Okay, sorry. Okay. I didn't see it. Thank you. Sorry, I wasn't fast enough with that. So, no, no, it's coming up. Keep going. No, nope, okay. just put it up. You got five minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so this is David and he goes before the king and this giant's coming out and tormenting them and David's before the king. And Saul said to David, verse 33. Mm -hmm. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living Elohim. Okay, so he's a ruddy little guy. He's and he has faith that he is able to overcome Goliath because Yahweh gave him the faith by him overcoming the bear and the uh, lion. So here's David with faith. So I'm just trying to get the idea of faith here and having confidence. Yahweh doesn't just say, believe me. He gives you something to believe in. So when you go over there with Daniel and you go over there with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you'll find out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I think it's, yeah, I just need a couple more verses. So uh, Daniel, I think it's, the, it's either the fifth or the eighth chapter. Um, yes. Just before they go into the lion's den. Yep, that's uh, Daniel 3, and I'll start at uh, 3 and 13. Okay. <clears throat> then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that Elohim that should deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our Elohim, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Okay, thank you. Now, there's more there that people should read if they go away. But here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they're with Daniel. Daniel has dreams. They have interpretive dreams. They have confidence in Yahweh. And they're saying, I don't care what you do to us, mighty king. Whatever you do, I don't care. We don't care. Throw us, throw us in the furnace. We don't care. Because we know that our Yahweh Elohim is able to deliver us. 
we have faith and confidence in what we've seen and what has been revealed to us that we don't we have the courage to be able to face the fire and if you go on to read you'll find out that they stoked it 10 times greater they threw them in the fire the guys that threw them in they got burned up but they never got burned up and they come out and it didn't even smell like fire faith in Yahweh Ah, Daniel, they throw him in the lion's den. He's not too concerned. Actually, he sat there. And when the the decree came out from the king, as soon as he heard the decree was done, he went and prayed prayed right away so that they would know that he wasn't afraid of whatever they were talking about doing. So anyways, if you could find over in, uh, I'm not sure, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, where the Messiah tells the disciples, uh, before I run out of time, the disciples to... uh, um tarry in jerusalem for the for the uh for the holy spirit and then i'll get one more after that i think it's acts the first first verse Joshua uh, tells them to tarry in jerusalem for the promise I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hit that just yet, but you speaking of um, where he, after he gives them the commission, the great commission, go ye and preach in all the nations? No, it's where he tells them to uh, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my father. Uh, Acts, the first chapter. Okay, right. Sorry, I don't know these. No apologies needed. Uh, that is Acts, the first chapter. Okay. And uh, let's see, it is. In red letters. That is, um, I believe it is the seventh verse. It starts at the seventh verse, I believe. Um, that, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father have put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And there may be another one, but... Um... Yeah, there was one that... Sorry, but there was one that told them to mm-hmm. specifically rate, wait in Jerusalem for the promise. Sorry. That's, That's actually Luke 24, try to Luke 24 and 49. Is that where it's at? Yep. Luke 24 and 49. Okay. That's Luke 24 and 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Okay, so he's telling his disciples, stay in Jerusalem and wait until you receive the promise. Um, Just Acts the second chapter, verse one. That's Acts two and one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, 
and is set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, so here they are. They were given the, the promise. They had faith enough to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise that they would receive the Holy Spirit on the day of uh, uh, the day of Pentecost, but that's where they would receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. So it's faith. That's what we need is faith. Faith, right. faith in the fact that Yahweh, Elohim, through Yahshua Messiah is telling us that he will do something. We need to have the faith that he will do it. He's given us proof all the way along so that we can have confidence that he will do it. Okay. With that, I'd like to say hallelujah and thank Yahshua Messiah for anything that was said, and I hope somebody got something out of it. Thank you very yes. much. Hallelujah. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much, Dr. Light. We appreciate that. And as our, for our second speaker of this afternoon's session, we're honored to call from our Southfield, Michigan branch, Dr. Dewan Nelson. Dr. Nelson? Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. I didn't know if I uh... Good afternoon, class, and um, it is a pleasure to be in attendance again and to have something to say in regards to our Heavenly Father and uh, concerning this great divine vision and revelation. And uh, I was truly enjoying uh, class this afternoon. I got a chance to check out Springfield for a little bit, and um, I was enjoying the previous speaker. and. Um, the faith uh, that the previous speaker was talking about um, is the most sought after thing I feel like where you um, come learning something about Yahshua the Messiah and wanting that faith or wanting that um, belief in Yahshua uh, completely and wholeheartedly and we realize that it is that faith uh, that love, that desire for uh, the Father that keeps us coming back, but only Him that grants us um, the ability to even have those things, to have a desire to want to hear this gospel, have a desire to want to preach the gospel. Um, There's something that Yahweh has given, and I just pray that um, that He continues to grant us the ability to call on His name. Um, no matter what has befell or before us in our lives is to call on his name um, for he is truly the deliverer. He is the only salvation. I, I don't have uh, any particular, uh, as the previous speaker stated, uh, direction or things on my heart, my mind, uh, other than this gospel, um, which has done so many different things, uh, you know, for me as just as a personal uh, testimony. And I'm pretty sure all the brethren will testify to the same um, way. It is truly, um, we use a term in the business world where I work at as change agent. It is truly the only thing that um, that I have found consistently in my life that has caused change in me. Um, and just from a personal standpoint, I know, you know, just speaking on behalf of myself, I know that is one of the hardest things, you know, uh, to do talking about discipline and we talk about 
um, to be able to change, even for things for the better, things that you know are good for you. Um, Yahshua has that power and that ability to change your mind. And it's truly by the preaching of the gospel. Um, these simple things that we count as something simple in relates to the world, the way the world thinks on it, of being something that you have to do or something strenuous and something taxing. Uh, can we get over there where he t says, um, and I apologize if I'm uh, broken up a little bit, where he says, take my yoke upon you. And uh, so what we come to find out is that the mercy and the joy in the gospel of Yahshua Messiah is not, this is not a, a burden type thing. This is not a thing that is uh, extreme. As a matter of fact, as I get older, um, Yahshua continues to show me that has always has always been you wrapped up in this flesh that is uh, that is dealing and toiling with the things of this flesh or you period in your way constantly in your way and Yahshua Messiah just coming through uh, with his mercy uh, constantly waking you back up pulling you back out get out your way keep your focus on me keep your attention on me keep your eyes on me what did I say about that you heard what I said about that, that constant good parenting, that constant reminding. He said the Holy Spirit was the teacher and the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring all things back to your remembrance. And so we've been sitting in these schools and under this great divine vision and revelation that was given to the founder in the year 1931, being preached to the gospel, and I want to make sure I say this right, the true gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. We've been sitting here and sitting under these things, hearing the things that concern the heavens, the things that concern the creator of heaven and earth. And so all, all the time that we've been sitting here, he's just been planting these seeds, you know, uh, and we pray that it's not falling off shallow ground. We pray that it is penetrating and resonating with us. But then we see the fruits of that when Yahshua the Messiah reveals to us the things that he has put into us. And you're able to start seeing the changes in you. And this is what it's about. This is about, uh, you know, able to sit at the table sup with Yahshua Messiah, him coming in to sup with you and changing your mind from a physical way of thinking to a spiritual uh, uh, way of existence. Because ultimately we come to find out that at the Sydney's class that this flesh and these physical things, that's not the reality, but that we have something that's greater. Uh, we have the reality that's waiting for us. And that is absent the flesh. That is absent the physical things. And so he is fine tuning us changing our heart, changing our mind, so that there's a spiritual mind, a spiritual heart that goes with that spiritual body that we have. Uh, do you have that scripture for me? Yes, Matthews 11 and 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke mm -hmm. upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. Now he said, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. He said, now come unto me, all that you got, all that are heavy burden. See, he is, will give us rest. Mm -hmm. And see, when we talk about uh, that word rest, if somebody could get that definition for me real quick of rest, and we talk about what that is, you know, uh, 
you know, out of course of a course of a day, we we think that, you know, um, you know, well, I we have this job and some of us had children and it's constant. We're constantly going, constantly doing things. And we said, oh, geez, can I just get a break? Or can I just get a, um, you know, a, a reprieve <laughs> or some rest, you know, from the constants? But see, there's a, there's another type of work that's uh, happening. And so that's the that's what Yahweh is showing me, that spiritual um, burden that can be upon you or that spiritual um, uh, weight that can be upon you or um your condemnation that can be upon you um where you're constantly measuring yourself you're constantly trying to look at yourself i I need to do this i need to do that i need to be i need to be this so yashua messiah will give you rest in that you see what i mean or is god doing this or is he doing that or why is this happening why is this that and we come and we learn the why the how the what the yashua gives us rest i don't have to worry about is his name, Yahshua the Messiah. I don't have to worry about, can I be saved in Jesus Christ? Or is there another name to be saved? And I'm rested in that space. I don't, I don't worry about that. You see what I'm saying? Does, uh, um, am, I able, am, am I able to be saved? I'm not worried about that because Yahshua the Messiah has saved me on my, my entire life. So I'm not worried about that. I'm resting Yahshua the Messiah. And this is what it's truly about. Can I have that definition real quick? That is rest, freedom from activity or labor, mm-hmm. a state of motionlessness or inactivity, a place for rest, mm-hmm. peace of mind or spirit. And when we talk about this all the time, that's that's good, Dr. Nelson. We talk about this all the time, unless there's more. But we talk about this all the time, peace of mind, see, a ceasing from work. Yahshua Messiah came in, said, I came to fulfill the scriptures. So he had did all the work. The work that was burdened or was placed on them, uh, those Israelites, a work that was going to be never ending because it could never be satisfied by the flesh. They never had the compens- they never had the propensity or capacity to satisfy the law. They were constantly having to sacrifice, constantly have to atone for the sin. That was a work. That was something that was uh, that was on them. They talked about this, the law of sin and death, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how they used to have to have the phylacteries and all the different things that reminded them of, don't do this, don't do that, mm-hmm. being in a space of never achieving perfection. But there was never perfection achieved in the law for sin or for the, uh, uh, you know, saying for sin to be eradicated. Mm-hmm. But truly, Yahshua Messiah was the only end to that. He was the only end to that. And so when he came in, he came in fulfilling all of those laws and those ordinances. And that physical way of thinking about the creator and moved us into a spiritual age and a spiritual way of worshiping Yahshua the Messiah, our understanding and understanding our father. And then he wrote those laws in our heart and mind. I was just listening to Springfield and it said that when Yahshua came in, he fulfilled that law it wasn't didn't make us lawless, mm. but see, he had truly had put that heart and that uh, that law inside our heart and our mind. So now the spirit of righteousness is governing you. It's saying, uh, "Don't you do that?" And not only saying, "Don't you doing that?" but preventing you from doing it. Mm. Don't you right. think that way? 
There's been many times that uh, you'll sit there right there in your seats. You don't got to be judged by no one else. Yahshua mm-hmm. is talking to you and correcting you right inside yourself. That's and you right. think a thought. He said, don't you think that thought? Uh-huh. And then he says, then he gives you to say, um, now ask Yahshua to remove this from yes. Yahweh, please remove this thought. So, I mean, all of those things that's happening real time. Uh-huh. Yahshua, the Messiah, is our comforter. He's our uh-huh. teacher. He's our parent. He's our provider. He's doing those things right in us. So I just am in a place today where I am happy because, you know, this pandemic time has caused people to be alone, if you will, and by themselves and to themselves. And this is the place where Yahweh has always instructed us to be. Even through our founder, he said, now you get somewhere alone and by yourself. You call on Yahshua, get to a quiet place. You hear us and see all the time, you know, like you tell your kids, don't do that, don't do that. So he was admonished to get somewhere quiet, get somewhere where you can hear. And so after a while, the child doesn't want to do so then what? You have to make them. So what he did was he came in, he shut everything down, made us sit down and listen and hear so that we can be changed and corrected so that we can be comforted you see what i'm saying blocking all the noise out there's these headphones that they have a lot of people use in the studio called noise cancellation Uh you put them on your head and it's airtight sucks everything out and you don't you're not supposed to hear the outside and this is what this gospel is like it's Uh like putting on the headphones noise cancellation canceling all of the all of the physical, all of the carnal, just damnation no uh, that we are sitting in all the time. Just think about this. Sometimes we are so privileged and so protected. We don't even really know the state and condition sometimes that we're in. Some people say, I, I, I used to be this way and this, this way. I had a near-death experience or I had a, you know, Yahweh saved us. But what Yahweh is showing me is that you're always in this flesh in peril. There's always something that satanic spirit, especially us that know Yahshua Messiah, that is trying to grab you physically, mentally, spiritually, to try to keep you into some duress. But Yahshua Messiah said that he is the soothing ball, see, or that he is the comforter, the protector that is taking us from there. And I'm not, you know, I didn't have a whole lot to say uh, this uh, afternoon, but my testimony is that when the, when the previous speaker was talking about that faith, it's the, it's the rarest and the most sought after commodity, whether you know it or not, to have faith in Yahshua the Messiah, to have faith in someone. When think about people in the world, you men and women, they look for, they want, they want to have faith in their partner. They want to have someone they can depend on. They want a job that's, you know, that's um, stable and something that they can um, put their, you know, their kids' uh, uh, tuitions and all that kind of, and trust in that. 401ks so we can retire and and not, you know, have to be in our older ages worrying about how I'm going to do this. We're looking for something to place our faith in. But all of those things fail. Every last one of it. Right. But Yahshua the Messiah, he does not. He is the true, the true one and the only true one. And he does not lie. So he gives us the ability 
in a crazy world, in a world where, when I mean crazy, I'm talking about not out of order, because all things are in the order of Yahshua Messiah, but in this crazy world, see, in a state of chaotic, or an appearance of chaotic, giving us order. That's the reason why we got a pattern. That's the reason why we have death, burial, resurrection. If you stay in line with that, if you stay in line with the blood, water, and spirit, you cannot err. You have a system. People who have people out in my work life, I constantly strive to become more organized. So you use your outlook, your calendars, your things like that. You put times on things like that. If you do not, it's hard to manage your day. So Yahshua the Messiah has given us something to manage our lives. Your mind can't wander out inside of this. I wonder if that goes according to the pattern. If it's of Yahshua, it has to. The moderator said, he's in the, uh, in, in the opening, said that everything that was made was made by this pattern and nothing escapes the pattern. So th these, that's, those are guardrails. Those are saving graces for us. We should never, ever want to be absent of death, burial, resurrection, blood, water, spirit. It is truly what saved our lives. I have nothing more to really say. I just wanted to say thank you to Yahshua the Messiah for keeping us for allowing us to be in this school at this particular time, for giving us Zoom, uh, you know what I'm saying, at this time. And it's really, I said this before, but it's really a time of plenty. Gather all we can. We've been admonished this. We've been admonished this. We don't know what Yahweh has in store on the horizon. All but we do know is that no matter what's happening, we will serve him. So get everything that you can because we're going to need it. That's what it was. That's what it was told to us. Get everything that you can. Absorb everything that you can. I find myself sitting in the chair when the first speaker was there, and I just got finished eating breakfast, and I started dozing. And I asked Joshua, "Wake me up. Keep me. I don't want to be. I got enough time to sleep. Wake me up. I want to be up, and I want to be present for this gospel. Anytime that is uh, presented for me." So that is my admonishment to the brethren. Stay encouraged. Yahshua the Messiah is fighting our battles. Yahshua the Messiah is making us uh, able to stand in any time. Anything that you got going on in your life, physically, spiritually, Yahshua the Messiah is there like he always has been. Rest and call on him, and you will be okay. If you got anything out of it, all praises be to Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Nelson. Really enjoyed that. And for our third speaker of this afternoon, it's an honor and a pleasure to call on also from our Southfield, Michigan branch, Dr. Shirley Nelson. Dr. Nelson. Good afternoon, class. Good afternoon. Um, it truly is wonderful to be able to have anything to say as uh, I uh, echo the previous speakers, which I truly did enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's beautiful testimonies. Um, to the things that we've learned since coming into this school. And it's always an honor. I, I used to hear people say that when a long time ago, when I was new in class and so forth, and everyone seemed to say the same thing. I'm happy, it's an honor and so forth and so on to be able to have anything to say about the gospel. I've come to understand it is truly an honor because I've come to realize that Yahweh, in order for anyone to have anything to say about this beautiful teaching is that Yahweh gives it to them to say. Absolutely. I mean, it's a privilege to be able to utter his name. 
Because if you're uttering it, that means you know it. So it's a privilege to be able to say something. When we talk about these different Bible um, stories or events, so to speak, when we talk about that, it's a privilege to know them, to understand them, and to use them as uh, the basics for why we do uh, or proof or vindication or evidence. The things that are in the scriptures, you know, what he what he actually has said. Many of us, you know, carry Bibles all of our lives. I know I looked at Bibles all my life and had my mother would preach out of a Bible to her children. But I never understood that the words that were written in the Bible, that many of them, you know, written in red, things that the Messiah himself, when he walked around the earth, you know, spoke and said out of his own mouth and then proved those things according to the scriptures, according to the divine pattern. And so I really appreciate the things that were said just recently because it is true that when we hear these things that they give us faith as the previous speakers were talking about, when we understand them, they give us faith. And I just want to, and I'm not gonna be long either. I know and feel that there's another speaker, but what I want to do is just go back over to Abraham, if you will, because that's what the uh, scripture reading was. And so if you can pick that up over in, um, um, what was scripture read? Romans, the fourth chapter. Romans, the fourth chapter. Okay. okay. Romans four and one. Mm -hmm. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before Yahweh. Mm -hmm. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed Yahweh. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now stop right there. Now the book is saying that Abraham believed Yahweh. And that belief in Yahweh was counted unto him for righteousness. So you see the emphasis that Yahweh has even on the belief that we must have in him. Now go ahead and finish reading. I think it says, uh, just go ahead, read. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Mm. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the unholy, his faith is counted for righteousness. Mm. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom Yahweh imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Now go down to um, uh, the 13th verse. Okay, 13th verse. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now you see that? And if somebody can get uh, for me where Yahweh gave that promise to Abraham, that he would bless his seed. Now in the scripture that she just read said for the promise that he should be heir of the world or through his seed, see, that the world would be blessed, see, uh, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. It wasn't by the law that the promise was, that promise was given, but through the righteousness of faith or by faith it was given. And that's why Abraham, when he believed that, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Uh, did you pick up that scripture? I just wanted to uh, read where Yahweh gave him that promise. Yeah, and I think I that is 17, but I don't know where. Genesis um, 17. 
Okay, that, that is it too, where it says that he will bless his seed as mm -hmm. the stars of heaven. Uh, let me see. If anybody knows what try Genesis, try Genesis. Um, try Genesis 18 and 9 through 15. Okay. And okay. then if that doesn't work, I might have another one. Okay. So uh, I'll I, try. Think, I, I think I see it in Genesis, Genesis 12. 22. 12. Oh. 12. Okay. 12 and what? You can really start at one and two or two. I will make you a great nation, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, so I think if you just want to, because I just want that scripture, I think it's over in Genesis 22 and 17. Right. Okay. That's the correct one. Thank you. Okay. okay. Genesis 22 and 17. That in, in, okay. Um, that in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven. And as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So now Yahweh had given Abraham this promise, and Abraham mm -hmm. did believe that. But mm -hmm. now it's going to got to be manifested that Abraham did believe it. Mm -hmm. And as the previous speaker was talking about, when David, who was going to fight or overcome Goliath, when David went out to um, to overcome Goliath and knew in his heart That's that right. he could do it. He knew that because of the evidence of what Yahweh had already done. Do you see what I'm saying? So in order to even have that faith, Yahweh puts out that evidence for us. So David knew that he could go or that he had come upon a situation where he rescued his sheep, I believe it was, from a bear and from a lion. And anybody would know that the odds are against him. There's no way he should have been able to physically do that. But that Yahweh was with him and caused him to do it. So to him, Goliath was just like that bear and that lion because he had already seen how Yahweh can overcome and that Yahweh would protect him and Yahweh would cause him to be able to slay that giant. And that's why he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He's just like the bear and the lion. He cannot come up against Yahweh. Okay. And then speaking, uh, speaking on David at that time, the king said to David, says, put on this armor, he went on to say. See, because when you put this armor on, see, this is going to protect you. And the king put on shields and helmets and all that stuff on David. David had to take it off of him. I don't know exactly where it's at, but David in the scriptures, but David had to take it off. And what did David say? David said, it ain't been proved. I'm you didn't say anything. I have not proved this. I haven't proved it. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? What? Haven't proved what? That armor. But what he had proved, see, was what Yahweh had already done. So it was in the name of Yahweh that he went up against that giant, see, because he had faith in that power that Yahweh had to overcome. So if you can, did I have another scripture for you? For, uh, ask for you? No, but if you wanted that scripture was 1 Samuel 13, 17 and 39. Okay. All right. Just go ahead and get it. That's first Sam. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. First Samuel 17 and 39. Excuse me one second speaker and I, our reader. I also want the scripture over there with Abraham when he was told that he would have a son. If you can get that for me over there. 
Okay. And, uh, do you want that first or do you want this one first? I want this one first. Since I okay. was just... That's first Samuel 17 and I'll start at 38. And Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail and David girded his sword upon his armor and essayed to go for he had not proved it. Mm-hmm. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. Mm-hmm. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook mm-hmm. and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his scrip. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Mm-hmm. And, okay. the, and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. Mm-hmm. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair continence. Mm-hmm. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Mm-hmm. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give the flesh unto the fowls of the air mm-hmm. and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of Yahweh of hosts, mm-hmm. the Elohim of the armies of Israel, whom mm-hmm. thou hast defiled. Mm-hmm. This day will Yahweh deliver thee into my hand, mm-hmm. and I will smite thee and mm-hmm. take thy head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a Elohim in Israel. There you go. Now, see, he came in the name of Yahweh. In other words, he spoke that he came with Yahweh in him. See, Mm -hmm. knowing that he was able to overcome. That was the faith that he already had had. But that was as a result of Yahweh even proving that to him and the the evidence that he had already had. So now if you can go over there with it, and that's what Mm -hmm. Yahweh does with us. So we don't come in here. Dr. Kenley did not say, come and just take my word for it. He came and showed you how that through by the preaching of the death, burial and resurrection, which establishes our faith. See, when we go according to that, that is already set up. See, then Yahweh, then it's solidified in us. See, we believe the word through by the evidence. And that's what the prophets and the patriots, they were all witnesses to that power, to Yahweh's death, burial, resurrection, that he would overcome all things. They were mm-hmm. witnesses to that. Now, I just want to just, and I'm not going to be long either, just go over there to Abraham, and then mm-hmm. I'll be there. That's Genesis 17 and 1. Mm-hmm. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, Yahweh appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am Yahweh Elohim, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Mm -hmm. And Abraham fell on his face and Yahweh talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and Mm -hmm. thou shalt be a father of many nations. Mm -hmm. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, 
There you go. Yeah. Now you see Yahweh had already promised him by the promise that he would bless his seed. So now he's saying over here as he will bless his seed as the stars of heaven and as the sands of the seashore. And you cannot count the sands of the seashore nor the stars of the heaven. So now Abraham had to believe that which he did do. And that was accounted to him for righteousness mm -hmm. as the book says. Then he goes on and says, go ahead, finish reading. Mm -hmm. Fifth verse, neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for mm -hmm. a father of many nations have I made thee. Mm -hmm. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, mm -hmm. and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Mm -hmm. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, mm -hmm. and thy seed after thee in their generations for mm -hmm. everlasting covenant. Okay. Mm -hmm. Does it go down to say where he where he promised them that he would have a son? Mm -hmm. That's okay. That is. Okay. I might be in the next chapter. If anyone knows where that is, just shout it out. Um, yeah. So it is. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. 15 verse. Okay. Yahweh Elohim, Elohim said unto Abraham. As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but mm -hmm. Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she will be a mother of nation. Kings of people shall be of her. Mm -hmm. Okay. Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old and shall Sarai that, Sarai that is 99 years old? I think I know what you want. This is not it. Yes, that is. That that is. is. Okay, okay. That 18 is. verse. <laughs> and Abraham said unto Yahweh, all that Ishmael might live before thee. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Yahweh said, Sarah, thy wife, shall mm -hmm. bear thee a son indeed. That's right. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. Right. And mm -hmm. I will establish my covenant with him for everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Right. Now, see, it, Yahweh done set up some principles here, mm -hmm. and it's so powerful because Abraham had a, remember, he and his wife, just put it down in our terms, they wanted to have a child, but they never, Sarah was barren. She could not have children. So now here they get old, or even before this, before Isaac is born, Sarah, his wife, says, go into Hagar, my handmaiden, so that a seed might be, you may have a seed through her, since I am barren. You see, then you don't have to get that. You got to go back and read some of these events, these stories yourself, because they pop the principles. When this gospel is preached to us, then those principles, I mean, the right way, those principles, they start jumping out at you as you're reading these scriptures. And I know many of us have testified to that. So you have to go back and you have to read it. But now Abraham or Sarah told his her husband to go into Hagar, which he did. And Hagar bared a son for him, Ishmael. But now what she's reading here over in Genesis, Yahweh is going back on his promise, the promise that he made to bless his seed as the stars of heaven and through the seashore, as the seashores of sand. See, that promise was going to be made through Isaac, who Sarah was going to bear. See, you know, Ishmael himself was going to be a great nation, and you can find that in the scripture as well. But it was through Isaac that the promise was made. Do you understand? See, Yahweh has a principle. He has set up this thing already from day one. So go ahead, finish reading. Mm -hmm. And that is, and that's 20th verse. And 
And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. There you go. Twelve princes shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. Now you're making them, you're going to make him mm -hmm. a great nation shoot. So y'all too. So Yahweh is setting up that principle of the Jew and the Gentile. See, it's so it's coming right on down from the very beginning. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And now, so now what had happened or what ended up happening is that both Sarah and Abraham, they laughed at, at this option mm -hmm. of this thought of having a child. Why? Because Abraham is a hundred years old. She just read that. Right. And Sarah is 99. So, mm -hmm. you know, and then we know what that's like, you know, I mean, she's like, I'm past the time of childbearing, right. but now Yahweh did exactly as he promised. And I have to interject this too, because this is how he talks to me. See, sometimes it don't take, it don't, it's not according to our timetable. Mm -hmm. Yahweh has a timetable himself. See, and nothing that we do will impede or change that timetable. So he has a time for things to transpire in our lives. You see what I'm saying? He has a time that he's going to bring you into a knowledge and an understanding of himself. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't the way Sarah and Abraham may have wanted to have a babe when they were young. You see what I'm saying? But Yahweh had a specific time. So go over there into the scripture. And I want where Yahweh told him to take his son because, and to sacrifice his son. Because Abraham and Sarah did, in fact, have a child in their old age. And that child was called Isaac. And Isaac was born and Isaac grew. You see what I'm saying? And where she's ready to read now is where Abraham was told to sacrifice his only son. Mm -hmm. That's Genesis 22 and um, 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it came to pass after these things that Yahweh did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. Mm -hmm. and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which Yahweh had told him. Mm -hmm. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Now stop. Now, now Abraham was told by Yahweh, take your son. Your only son, you know, the one that you waited until you were 100 years old to have, take that son, Isaac, and sacrifice him unto me. So now the book don't say anything about Abraham bipping and bopping about, oh, no, oh, please don't let this happen. He wasn't doing that. Said he took the son, and I think somewhere else in that scripture, it said he didn't even stagger at it, or maybe it's in another scripture, if someone knows where they're at, that Abraham didn't even stagger at the uh, instructions that Yahweh had gave him to do. He took his son, and it says that the when they came to the men, see, Abraham told the men to tarry here until him and the lad, read that again, because see, that was brought out when I first came in this school. I never knew it was written like that. Can you read that again, reader? That's the fifth verse. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. 
You see that? I'm going to go and worship, he said, and come again to you. But Yahweh told him, go up there and sacrifice. You see what I'm saying? And so now continue to read, please. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the, excuse me, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Mm -hmm. And Abraham said, My son, Yahweh will provide himself a lamb mm -hmm. for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now you see that? Now see, Abraham, his, his son is saying to him, Father, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham has to say, Yahweh will provide himself a sacrifice. So now when Abraham told his men to tarry here until we come back, see, we know that this gospel is about the death, the burial, and the resurrection or blood, water, and spirit of Yahshua, the Messiah. See, we understand that. And the way that Dr. Kinley brought that out, he said, now Abraham had Isaac dead, buried, and resurrected in his heart and in his mind, even before he took him on up there to be sacrificed. See, in other words, it had to be, it had to go accordingly to a death, it had to be a burial and it had to be a resurrection. So he already had him. Why did he already have him dead, buried, and resurrected? Why was Abraham able to say, Yahweh, and to, or to remain here to the, to the men that were there, tarry here until we return? Because Abraham had already witnessed that Isaac was already came forth out of a dead womb, being Isaac, his wife. It was she was beyond the time of having babes or babies. So at that time, her dead with her womb was likened to being dead. And he saw Isaac come forth from the dead, if you will, or from forth from that death, that burial and resurrect. He already saw Isaac being resurrected out of the death out of a death. You see what I'm saying? Even before he was a grown man, he had already witnessed that through Yahweh showing him that principle with his wife. You see what I'm saying? And so true enough, Isaac goes up there and finish reading. And I see the five minute bell. Finish reading where you are, reader. Six verse. Mm -hmm. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both on excuse me, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Mm -hmm. And Abraham said, my son Yahweh will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Mm -hmm. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which Yahweh had told him of. Mm -hmm. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. Mm -hmm. and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Mm -hmm. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Mm -hmm. And the angel of Yahweh called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest Yahweh, saying that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. Mm -hmm. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him, a ram caught in the thickets by his horns. Yes. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. 
There you go. And Abraham called the name of the place Yahweh Jireh, as it has said to this day, in the Mount of Yahweh, it shall have been, excuse me, it shall be seen. Now you see that? Now see, so Yahweh has said that he will provide himself. Now in reality, Isaac was a type of Yahshua the Messiah. So Isaac couldn't be that actual sacrifice, see. But Yahweh will provide himself in that form of Yahshua the Messiah. He's going to come in and be that worthy sacrifice. So Yahweh allowed it to be that the angel stayed the hand, see, and that he was going to have the, or he saw the ram caught in the thickets. And as we says, and I know the bell time is up, see, but this gospel is so profound and it's so beautiful. Dr. Kinley brought out how that ram caught into the Thicketcy was likened into being caught between the law and the prophecy because it's through those at the evidence that's laden down within the law and the prophets, prophets that we see and come to understand the witnesses of Yahweh being the blood, water, spirit, death, burial, and resurrection. And it's through by that that our faith is established when this gospel is preached. And it's a beautiful thing. I hope it wasn't too rushed. I hope you got something out of it. But this gospel, all I can say and admonish to everybody that I am given the opportunity to say anything to is that we have come to literally the best of everything that we can come to in mm -hmm. this life. As the scripture, I think it was Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels mm -hmm. because through by having the Holy Spirit poured out in our hearts and mind that will give us an understanding, afford us salvation. See, we have that while we're yet in this flesh. See, and we'll continue to have it as we go on further in the in eternal glorification with our Savior. So we have this treasure in these earthen vessels right now, but the glory is truly of Yahweh through his son, Yahshua Messiah. I thank you for the opportunity to have anything to say. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Nelson. That's beautiful. And finally, for our fourth speaker of this afternoon, where it's an honor and pleasure to call upon the Dean of the Southfield class, Dr. Marvin Lewis. Dr. Lewis. He's coming just a moment. I'm here. Good morning. Good evening, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> Happy uh, Daylight Savings Time for whatever <laughs> reason they have that. And I want to begin by uh, start off by thanking Yahshua that he's, he's allowed us to once again come together in unity and in the spirit of righteousness that was delivered to us through our founder and Dean, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley. And that we are bound by the truth that has been delivered us uh, from Yahshua himself. So we don't have the option to uh, interject our thoughts and likes and dislikes and uh, indications of what we think we should be doing. We just have to be obedient to what Yahweh has commanded us to do. And on top of that, the only other thing we have to do is to ask Yahshua to allow us to do it if he so desires. Now, I want someone to get for me the definition of the word mandate. And the reason I'm bringing this up is, is because a lot of times we get so bogged down in uh, this opinion and that opinion and uh, someone else's opinion or thought or ideal is we forget just simple everyday things uh, that have happened 
and that have been presented to this body from the founder and dean emeritus, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, who incidentally said, he the one, his exact words was, I'm the man, I'm the only man that Yahweh sent. Now that sounds like a pretty bold statement to me. But it, as a matter of fact, what he did was he went on to begin to prove that he was the only man. No one knew anything about Yahweh's purpose in this age, see, until this current time, in this world, I should say, until 1931, when Yahweh gave the founder a vision and a revelation to go along with it so that he could not only see what Yahweh showed him, but he could go on to explain it and not just explain it, because oftentimes I've listened to somebody, an astrophysicist or somebody explain something, it still don't make any sense to me. But the founder of this school, Yahweh gave it to him in its simplicity that he was able to break it down to its minute meaning that even a child could understand it. Even the children understand one, two, and three. And that's the way the founder delivered to it. It's simple, and he made this statement. He said, now, if you can count the three, you could be saved. Now, we never knew that in the world, never absolutely ever heard that in the world before. In our religious affiliation, we never even thought about that. We thought it was something that we had to do, something that we had to say, a certain way we had to act. See, that's what we thought. We thought that was righteousness. Now, I want you to get me the scripture where it talks about there's none righteous, no, not a one. Now, there, listen, never, no priest or no minister ever in my life ever showed me that in the scripture that there's none righteous, no, not one. So then if there's no one, no one righteous, how are you, Reverend Zeke, going to try to tell me how to be righteous? You're not even righteous yourself. So you ought to just practice what you preach, mister. And then you would be all right. Mm -hmm. See, but we weren't able to do that. Listen, and the satanic spirit had us so brainwashed that we thought that, uh, listen, we couldn't, we fell short, but somebody, there was somebody walking around here because they had the collar on backwards or because they could shout and sweat and pull out a white hanky that they must be a man of God. Now we were just utterly foolish. We were tricked beyond our imagination, but that's the power of the satanic spirit is we see it manifested in the world and the creation today. Someone have that scripture for me. Yes, that's Romans 3, and I'll start at 9. What then? Are we better than they? No. Move, move up a little bit, Lauren, and start, because we get to train. Let's get to train the thought of who's talking, who's talking to who and what the subject is. Okay, that's Romans 3 and 1. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Now watch, listen, folks. The world has it set up now that, listen, that the Jew, and the Jewish people think this, and a lot of other religions think this. See, that the Jewish people or the Jews have an inroad into salvation. And there's many people in the world that thinks that the Jews are the only one that's gonna be saved. 
Because after all, they were good enough in Yahweh's sight that Yahweh chose them. No, that's not why he chose them. He did not choose the Jews because they were so righteous. He chose them for the exact opposite. They were small, they were minute, and they knew absolutely nothing about him. And Yahweh showed how he can deliver who we thought was hopeless and lost. Yahweh has the power to deliver them. He brought them up out of the land of Egypt against one of the most mighty kingdoms that ever existed in this creation, which was the Egyptian kingdom. And listen, now to prove my point or the point that Dr. Kinley brought out and re relayed to us that Yahweh didn't pick them Jews because they were, or the Israelis, he didn't pick them because they were so righteous. Because it, I didn't know until I got here that that group of people, that nationality that people fought and denied Yahweh the whole time he was delivering them from death, hell, and the grave. See? Read where you're at, more. Second verse. Much every way chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of Yahweh. Right. For what if some did not believe? Share their unbelief make the faith of Yahweh without effect? See, now, yes. just because you don't believe, just because we say, I don't believe in none of that other stuff y'all talking about, they're talking about Yahshua being the only name because there was no J, couldn't have been no Jesus. I'm sticking with my Jesus. Now, because you stick with Jesus don't mean Yahshua don't exist and doesn't have the power to deliver. And, all and listen, how about this? Not only does Yahshua exist, he has the power to supplant Jesus. Read. Yahweh be forbid, yea, let Yahweh be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our righteous, excuse me, but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of Yahweh, what shall we say? Is Yahweh unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. Yahweh forbid. For then how shall Yahweh judge the world? For if the truth of Yahweh hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? What, what verse are you at, Lauren? I'm at the eighth verse. Okay, go ahead. And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Now watch that. See, now, irregardless of what your previous affiliation was, see, or who you identified with, or what you thought you knew, one thing was concluded right from the beginning that we all needed a savior. Absolutely, everyone. Pope, you need one too. Sorry. See, Dean Marvin, you need one too. I'm sorry. See, infant, newborn baby, I'm sorry, you need a savior too. That's why it necessitated. See, that Yahweh manifest in the creation the things that he had to do. Now, we got the Moses chart here. I want to go back and talk about that. Thank you, scripture reader, for uh, 
um, doing a good job of reading that. Now, we talk about in this school, see, in this organization, and I never heard anything about this until I came into this school and I didn't come seeking Yahweh. I just have to admit that. Many people know my story. I didn't come into this class because I wanted to find out anything about no creator, Yahweh. I thought I was doing fine. I was in my own world. I was doing my thing, having fun and uh, uh, outrunning the, 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 the devil. See, at every turn. So I figured I could handle it. So I came to this class for strictly a carnal reason. But Yahweh in his infinite mercy See, just allowed me, first of all, before he even allowed me to understand, he allowed me to just continue to come back. See, to just continue to come to another class, even though I was scratching my head and didn't know, didn't understand a word they said the first two sessions. See, but he just allowed me just to come back. And regardless of what reason I came back for, see, if you just come back, if you just tune into Zoom, then if you tune into the Zoom network, Yahshua will allow you to zoom into his purpose and you will be able to focus on your real reason for being in this creation. See, and he will also allow you to comprehend and understand and accept your salvation in his righteousness, not yours. And when I began to understand that, that was such a relief for me that I didn't have to depend on my wishy-washy self because believe it or not, I was concerned about that. I said, I can't do right from one day to the next. How am I going to straighten up? And I'm sure most of us thought like that. So I want you to go back there and you get down there where Moses talks about, um, Moses was given the commandment to come up to the mountain and to come alone and by himself. Because what I'm going to establish here is this, is that this is the same way that when Yahweh wanted somebody to know something about him, he separated them. See, Yahweh didn't let them mingle and mangle with the rest of the crowd and have the same, uh, listening to the same complaints, the same moaning and whining and, and griping that everybody else did. Yahweh would separate them. Go ahead, read for me, please, when you find that. That's Exodus 24 and 2. I'll start at 1. And he said unto Moses, Come up unto Yahweh, thou and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. Now, we found this before, right? We've heard this before. So he called a group of 74, see, to come up to the mountain. See? And he told them to worship afar off. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders, that's why you see on this chart, they are depicted, see, on the plateau of that mount, see? So they're elevated above the rest of the children of Israel, now they're acting the fool around that golden calf because Yahweh's going to show them something miraculously, see? And now they're elevated from that storm, but they can't advance all the way up to the top of that mountain. And here's why. It's depicted right here on the chart because as you see them down at the plateau of that mount and they are gazing up and looking at the figure of Yahweh Elohim, see? But they're looking at Yahweh Elohim, what they're not seeing, see, is they're only seeing that image. And as you see Moses at the top of the mount, see, re reposed, see, 
laying back, relaxed. In other words, if you want to know the reality of it, it's listen, Yahweh is manifesting or Moses is manifesting in that position that he is out of the body. See, that that body, Moses has no conscious awareness of that body to keep it upright, to walk around on the mountain, to search around and seek. Yahweh just took that body and laid it down because what he wanted to, what he wanted to engage with was that spirit that was in Moses, see, or that soul, that eternal, that ability to be alive, which is Yahweh manifesting himself. See, so Moses in that position, not that he's laying down, but the Moses being elevated in the state is able to see the purpose of Yahweh after seeing Yahweh Elohim first. That's the first thing he sees. Moses has to come to understand that there is an author to what he's about to see, that there's a beginning to something, that there is someone that is the author of the beginning of something. So the first thing Yahweh presents to Moses is he presents himself. And he presents himself as Yahweh Elohim. Why? Because Yahweh in that pure spirit state is invisible, inscrutable incomprehensible. Moses could not understand the spirit reality of Yahweh in that pure spirit state, which is encompassed of nine divine attributes of wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. You can't see those attributes. Yah, Moses would not have been able to physically see and appreciate Yahweh in that pure spirit state. You can't see Wisdom. You say, oh, I see here goes wisdom hanging on the window. No. Now you can see wisdom being manifested by something a person does or a person says or something you come to understand or come to realize. And you say, now that's a wise old man. See? Or you can see uh, power. See? You can't see power, so I see power floating around in the air. But boy, you can see power when you plug something in and that motor gets to turning and whipping and doing whatever it does. See, now what you're seeing is you're seeing the results of power. So Yahweh, Moses on that mountain is looking at Yahweh Elohim in that shape and form. So what he's doing is he is literally seeing the power that's manifested from that pure spirit state or wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. So now Moses can appreciate and understand the awesome, esoteric, powerful, most powerful, all in all presence of Yahweh Elohim. So what good did he have for that body? Listen, he couldn't have stayed in that body and that body would not have survived seeing what Yahweh showed Moses up there. So Moses sees him. Now Moses, not only does he see Yahweh Elohim in this shape and form. Now the children of Israel down on the plateau of that mount, they're not seeing that. All they're seeing is a bright light up there in the image. But they don't see what most, they don't see the cloud. See the cloud Moses is laying in? See, that's Yahweh in pure spirit. So Moses, not only is he seeing Yahweh Elohim in this shape and form, he's experiencing a feeling of power. 
Dr. Kinley said like this. He said, now when he was up there, when Yahweh pulled him, he said, I felt Moses walk up on that mountain. So he was without the body also, but it was his spirit that was being animated and manipulated. And he felt the awesome power of Yahweh. Saying you can't, you can't, you can't experience that in this physical body. You have to be elevated past that state. You have to be elevated in the spirit because now you have to be able to recognize, identify spiritual things. That's why it's necessary that we elevate our understanding in these last days and ages, that we're not easily fooled by a personality, an individual, a look, a face, a position, that nothing can separate us from the truth. Nothing and no one. And the truth of the matter is, is that Yahweh Elohim is the all in all, and that's all. And he later on manifested in the flesh as Yahshua Messiah to save you from yourself. Now, it's as simple as, it's as plain as that. Now, anybody, and I'm going to stick my head out here, and I'm going to say anybody that teaches you that you can be saved in any other way other than Yahshua Messiah is a liar. And they cannot prove it. That's right. But now you can prove that Yahshua was your savior. Now, here's how you can prove it. See, all you have to do is inhale and exhale. Now, here's the stamp. Here's the stamp to you that you can't deny it. Because if you don't breathe, you're dead. And when you breathe, you're breathing Yahweh. So who is your salvation? And who did Yahweh say he was sending to deliver you from death, hell, and the grave? His only begotten son, that's Yahshua the Messiah. And listen, who has the, who has the, the definition for mandate? I have it for you. Read it, please. Mandate, excuse me, an authoritative command, especially a formal order from a superior court or official to an inferior one. Now watch. Now how about this? Now, a mandate. She just read the definition to you. Now, the last time I was on or the time before that, I had uh, an individual read a statement that Dr. Kinley had made about preaching this gospel all over the world. See, now... I didn't realize it at the time, but it stuck with me and I understood that that was a mandate. That was not, he was, that was not something he was asking us. If you can, if you get a chance, or if you agree with me, or if you want to show people that you like me, could you do this? Could you find time? No. He said, this is what I want you to do. He didn't make no bones about it. He says, do it until somebody else comes up with something better. And he yeah. says, I want you to do, I'm, I'm, par I'm paraphrasing it. He says, now I want you to do everything you can to get this teaching out to the world. And now listen, now he's allowed us to come right down to the end of this age and allowed us to zoom right in on his purpose. See? And who... Why did they think of this name Zoom? Because Yahweh has something to say. 
Now, you have to be a son before you can comprehend and understand Yahweh's speech. Because Yahweh don't talk like man talks. Yahweh doesn't do things like man does things. See, Yahweh does things for his sons. And if you're destined to be a son, then you'll listen to what Yahweh says. See, a lot of us had the experience of being able to see him in the body. And listen, and he, and he told you who he was. And everybody got up and stomped out. So it's just a repeat, folks. Things have not changed. See, you have to have the righteousness and you have to have the satanic spirit to counter it. And listen, there's so different. It's the difference between light and dark. Now, you don't have no trouble dif differentiating between light and dark, do you? You don't wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, is that the sun I see out there when it's pitch black? No, you know the difference between night and day. Now, it's that easy. You can know if you would just get yourself out of the way, just listen to what Yahweh said and what Yahweh manifested and said he was going to do and the witnesses that he left that he was going to send his son Yahshua to deliver you from death, hell, and the grave, then you won't have no problem about who's telling the truth and who's lying. See, you won't have no smoky gray area with him. Well, I don't know after all. He said he was this and he said he's done that. Oh, no. If he don't say what Joshua says, then the truth is not in him. And I don't care what position you have. See, I don't care if you're new. If, you're the, if you're, today is your first day. If you come in here and you start talking about, listen, that Jesus Christ is the one and we're liars, you're the liar. It's just that definitive. And that's where we, we're down to the point now, folks. We don't have time. I know I'm almost out. I got two minutes and I'm going to get out. See, we're down to the point now that we just don't have extra minutes that we can let our consciousness or our subconscious or even our thoughts wander to the point that we doubt that Yahshua was the Savior. See, you can't afford to do that because we're to the point now that the satanic spirit is desperate. He is going to try to use every mean possible, mm -hmm. see, to get you sidetracked and get you away and get you to counting on someone else. See, now don't be fearful because I want one last scripture and I'm done. And it says, it's the one where it says, now don't fear someone that could affect the body. See, that can hurt the body. See, you don't worry about them. See, because we already know, and we just experienced in the in the uh, in our family, in the Brazil family, in the Lewis family. See, we just experienced someone that has taken off the flesh. See, so we're not worried about that because here's why we're not worried about it because we all know that that's listen. All of us got that prescription. That's been prescribed for us, and if Yahweh allowed it to go long enough, you will fill that prescription. That's you right. You want to go get it filled. Mm -hmm. Read that scripture for me, please. That's Matthews 10 and 28. And fear not them which kill the body. See, so don't worry about them that threaten you with your livelihood. See, threaten you with your job, threaten you with your position in the organization. See, don't fear them. 
see, they can punch you in your face. Read. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Now that's who you don't see. Don't fear them. All they can do is, is make you look like a fool and make life miserable for you. And for most of it, it's miserable anyhow, one way or another. But see? rather... But rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now watch. Now that's who you fear. You fear somebody that's able to steal your soul. Right. And you stick with the one that said that he came, his mission was to, was to save. That's right. And his name means Yahweh is salvation. Mm -hmm. So there ain't no other name you're going to bring to me that says, that explains, and expressly means Yahweh saves. Right. So I'm sticking with Yahshua. You do as you will. Thank you, brethren. I appreciate the members of this class that are keeping this Zoom thing going. See, because they're, they're doing it on their own, folks. They're doing it because of their desire to do it. They're not doing it because we're mandating that they do it or that the board says, y'all, will do this and we'll kick you out. No. They are doing it because they understand that this is the mandate that we have. And we are going to preach it as long as Joshua allows us to preach it. Hallelujah. 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 Let me enjoy that, Dr. Lewis. Appreciate that. And thank you all. The lectures were very beautiful today. And I'm grateful to Yahweh that I was able to attend. Um, we, before we um, close our class with our doxology, we'd like to announce um, this coming, I'm sorry, the first Sunday of April, which is so-called Easter, uh, we will have a series of special lectures on Easter. And the first lecture, I'm sorry, the first lecture will be biblical proof of the three days and three nights that Yahshua the Messiah was in the heart of the earth. This will begin a series of special lectures that we'll have on some Sundays. And everyone that is in attendance or that watches the lecture after, if you have any subject matters that you'd like us to cover, please reach out to us during our, um, in our email that we send out uh, to give us um, a topic that you'd like us to cover and we'd be happy to do so. So with that, um, once again, we'd like to thank everyone. We'd like to thank all our speakers for their beautiful lectures. And we know that Yahweh edified you and spoke through you today. We hold our classes here every Sunday from 1.30 to 3.30 Eastern Standard Time and on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will now have our doxology, which is taken from the last two verses in the book of Jude. Please bow your hearts and your minds. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, everyone. Hallelujah.